I love scotch. 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 Yep. Have another whiskey. If you'd like to speak to me in person, press one. If you'd like to order drugs, press hash. <laughs> I had a gentleman in the crowd that was like, tell me how to drink Glenfiddich. And I was like, I will not do that. You drink Glenfiddich how you want to drink Glenfiddich. Wear a cowboy hat in Los Angeles and look at the amount of looks you get. Yeah, it's unbelievable. This is the most flamboyant city on earth. You wear a cowboy hat. People look at you like you are yep. like an alien. The Beatles came on and they might pick me up on his shoulder. George Harrison is as close to me as that wall now. I went, all right, George, all right. And he went, cock. <laughs> and that was the closest <laughs> I ever came to the Beatles. <laughs> have a whiskey while we... Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Cheers. Welcome back to the United States of Dramerica, and I will be on best behaviour for this episode because on the other end of the Zoom this week, I'm delighted and honoured to have Her Majesty's Consul General for Southern California, Utah, Arizona, Nevada, and of course, Hawaii, Emily Cloak. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for inviting me on this fabulous podcast. So um, you are my third diplomat I've had in the last couple of years. Uh, but I'm, I'm particularly excited to have you on, A, because we live in the same place, um, and you have had to do the work of a diplomat during a global pandemic, which makes it a little bit different to usual. Um, and so there's, I think there's plenty to cover. What we should probably do is start with the whiskey. It's earlier in the day than usual, so neither of us are drinking a lot, but uh, a little sip of whiskey. What, Emily, do you have at your end? So I've got, on the recommendation of my husband, uh, a Balvenie uh, whiskey here with me today. Excellent. So I try to pair whiskies with my guest, and I have a very similar whiskey to you because in the weird way the world works, obviously I used to work for the British government, and I think I've hosted more whiskey tastings in your house than you have. Um, it's a slight <laughs> quirk of how all these things work. But the best whiskey tasting we ever did at your house was a, a what we call a, a vertical Balvenie tasting, where um, we came in and there was a fantastic evening with a group of people around your dining table, where we brought in some really interesting people and drunk Balvenies from 14 up to 40 years old. It was incredible. And we even had Balvenie glazed salmon uh, in cost that night. So it was an amazing night. So I'm also drinking Balvenie and I have the Balvenie 15 single barrel, which was given to me as a leaving present by the people from Balvenie when I left government. So it seems appropriate to drink. So I'm just going to pour myself a tiny one. So we've matched on the brand. We have matched which is good. Obviously, it was going to have to be Scotch because it was part of my job, and obviously it's part of your job to promote Scotch. So, um, Absolutely, a fine British drink. Cheers, and thank you very much for coming. Yeah. The British Consul General to Southern California, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, and Hawaii, who arrives six months after a global pandemic starts and therefore didn't get the chance to have... 400 people at a welcome reception for her in the way that all your predecessors will have done for I don't know how many years or generations. What has it been like arriving in a place like this at a time like this? 
It's a really good question. I suppose I, I've not had um, the experience of joining uh, another time. So it's it's the only um, arrival to LA that I've known. And I think when you're when you're going into a new situation, you just make the best with with what you have. Um, and I had the support of the consulate coming in, which was fantastic. But the the downside was not being able to meet people in person. You know, my team across the consulate doing virtual meetings instead um, of you know building those relationships in person, but also with our contacts across LA, wider Southern California, the other states. But, you know, it's important to, to do the job as best you can in the circumstances that you have. So try to make a virtue of it. So I wrote out to key contacts when I arrived to introduce myself. I had a lot of virtual meetings. I did virtual visits. And, and you know, in some ways, it's, it's, it's quite nice to be able to speak to people in Hawaii on the same day as, as people in Utah. So there were positives with that, definitely. Um, but you know, when uh, we saw things opening up more in, in, in spring, summertime of last year and being able to do more of those in-person meetings and activities, you know, that's lovely. I, I love meeting people. So uh, particularly as a diplomat, you know, that's that's the best way, I think, to build relationships. So it was lovely to go into a new phase last year um, and and do both. You know, now, um, obviously, we're in the midst of Omicron, but you know, last autumn, for example, I do in-person meetings, I do virtual meetings. So so the pandemic has changed how we, we work. And I think there are also positives in, in, in how we've learned to adapt that I'd like to try and hold on to. Yeah, because there's a, there's a perception, which is not entirely wrong, that a lot of the way diplomacy works is bringing groups of people together in sometimes quite impressive settings in order to facilitate what it is that you're trying to achieve. And you know, I've hosted, you know, a dozen events in, in your garden. And again, in a slightly weird way, this all works. Um, but under normal circumstances, you probably would have been doing almost probably one a week in the old days. But now things have changed and you haven't been able to do anything. And then suddenly you've started doing little bits and pieces. What do you think when things settle down? And I'm, not, I'm still not entirely sure what settle down means, but it's definitely through Omicron. Do you think things will be different? There will be, as you say, that blend of virtual and in real life will actually remain even when life goes back to normal to an extent? Well, I'd love to have a crystal ball and see when life goes back to the, uh, normal. But I, I think um, I think virtual working in addition to in-person will stay because I think it's there's, there's a benefit to it. So um, obviously doing things in person is fantastic. Um, but the fact that you can take geography out of the equation, I think we'll want to hold on to that and do both because they've both got different benefits. And I think what we've also had to do through the pandemic is think about how we work in different ways and, and try new things and new innovations. So how can we do more on social media? How can we um, you know, reach our key contacts and audiences through um, other types of, of media or, or, or ways of, of virtual working. So I think I think the two will stay. But ultimately, you know, we're here to do a job. So for, for those of uh, your listeners who don't know what a consulate does or a consul general, you know, we're here to represent the UK in the US and the states that that we cover. Um, so we try and promote the government's priorities, whether that's growing the trade and investment relationship or supporting Brits um, overseas through our consular work. 
And, you know, that that continues um, even in a pandemic. You know, we're here to grow relationships, um, to look at where we can exchange expertise, to form partnerships in a way that promotes our priorities. So so that work continues. And even where there are restrictions, we still want to do that, but need to do it in different ways and, and try and be creative. So let's you finish on the word creative. So let's touch on that. Obviously, there's, as you said, there's lots of parts to this job, which will be similar to what your colleagues in the rest of America are doing in their consulates in terms of the trade and investment work, in terms of the consular support work. In terms of the creative industries, that is the relationship that you have that's obviously different to other colleagues in America. Could you just talk about, because everyone loves the fact that, you know, British people keep winning Oscars and Golden Globes and so on. So there's there's a lot of talent winning things, which is lovely for Britain. But can you actually talk a bit about what the sort of, there's a lot more depth to that relationship, of course. So could you just talk a bit about what some of that creative industries relationship is worth to the UK and why it's important? Absolutely. I mean, the, the creative industries is, is a fabulous industry. And obviously, we're at the heart of that here in, in Hollywood and in, in, in Los Angeles. And the UK, as you well know, has a fantastic industry. Um, it, it's important to us for many reasons. Um, economically, you know, there's a there's a really important economic significance to the film industry. And, you know, lots of productions happening in the UK. We've got world class industry in the UK um, from its skill skills uh, base through to um, you know the, the tax reliefs and, and, and so on um, but also culturally the film industry is incredibly significant you know the power of film inspires people through the stories that it tells and what I've seen here working in Los Angeles is how the film industry can really progress the UK government's priorities um, take climate change you know we uh, at the consulate collaborated with Netflix in um, in autumn last year uh, for its Together for Our Planet collection. Um, and that, in effect, brought together uh, climate stories in one place uh, in the lead up to COP26, which was a summit the UK hosted on climate change in Glasgow. Um, you know, using the power of film to inspire its 200 million viewers on, on climate and hopefully inspire them to take action. So the film industry is incredibly significant in so many ways. And we at the consulate and through my role are really keen to do all we can for that industry. Um, at the consulate, we have a trade and investment team that um, work on um, supporting exporters from the UK to, to come and trade and invest uh, with this part of the world and also bring investment into the UK on uh, the creative industries. And we also have the British Film Commission uh, that are based in our consulate that, that work to bring production into the UK. So we we have quite a, a strong focus on it um, and it's for good reason, you know, economically, culturally, it, it's, it's tremendous. And it, it's wonderful also to see amazing British talent, both um, in front of the camera and behind it, um, rightfully winning lots of awards, uh, different award seasons. And that's something that we're also keen to celebrate and help support the pipeline of talent along with some of our partners like BAFTA, for example. So one thing you mentioned, we're talking about working sort of virtually and working remotely. Now, some of that is about obviously having external meetings with people, but some of it is also about how work is done. So I remember when I was at the consulate, I think this was 
actually applied in a lot of places. Pre-pandemic, a lot of places didn't do very much around working from home. I think the government were reasonably progressive, like people were allowed to do part-time jobs and work in slightly different ways. But obviously working virtually wasn't as prevalent as it has to be now. Given that you've functioned as a consulate without people going to the office for 18 months, what does that look like from an office point of view? But also, I know personally for you, and we've talked about this away from the podcast, but obviously you're a mother of a young daughter, and so you've been working from home forced, but actually you're in a slightly different position. What do you think that all looks like for working people, but also for working mothers? So, you know, it's 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 been interesting seeing how the world has transitioned over the last two years, two and a bit years, how, how long it's been now. No, a bit less than two years. I mean, I was actually on maternity leave when uh, the pandemic started. So my first experience of of, of working in the pandemic was in Los Angeles rather than in, in London, although I did see my husband see working um, in London and, and, and the changes that were happening in the workplace. And, and really the pandemic has changed, you know, made sort of huge changes to how, how we work. Um, and there, there, you know, there are benefits uh, in there as well as, as challenges. The consulate has has stayed open throughout the pandemic. You know, we have some essential services that have to be done in the office. So it has remained open, although the large majority have have worked from home at different parts. Um, And, you know, at different periods, we we have been working, you know, collectively in in the office. So so in the way that the pandemic has seen different developments and, you know, we've had the Omicron surge, um, we we have had different people at the office in different times. And um, it's great to be able to come together. And we've made a virtual of trying to make sure that we do it intentionally and collaborate. So when we're working together in person, let's use that as an opportunity to really come together and, and um, actively collaborate on things rather than just sitting at desks, for, for example. So I think that's that's one change. Um, for me, you know, when I started, because it, it was around the time where, um, you know, the pandemic, um, a lot of people working from home and things were quite restricted. And your question around was around what does that look like if you know as a, as a working mum? I suppose you know you what you one positive is that you don't have the commute. Um, you can save time and spend more time with your children, for example. So that's that's something that I think um, was was definitely a silver lining for me coming into this new big role um, with a you know fifteen month old uh, when I started. And um, balancing both being a working mum with doing my role as CG. So I think the fact that there was some more flexibility uh, was certainly uh, one of the benefits around, you know, not having commuting time and so on. So and I think different working parents have, have seen that, although I should add, that obviously, I've with my daughter being quite little, uh, I didn't have the homeschooling challenges that a lot of parents have gone through and, and the hardships, I think, linked to that. So, so different people have had different experiences. Um, but for me, I think a key thing that's been on my mind as a leader, how do you work with um, a team to, to build collaboration, uh, support, um, unity when you're not always in the office together, when you can't see uh, people and you're not able to pick up always in the same way if, if you know, people are going through, for example, difficult in the way that you in person. So I think we have to really actively 
work and reach out to colleagues in a way that it might have um, been easier to do in the past when you're working five days a week next to one another. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the old days, the foreign office, in a way very similar to a lot of places, a lot of businesses around the world, very old-fashioned rules. You know, there was, I think, I think was it 40 or, 40 or 50 years ago, if ambassadors' wives were having children, they had to go back to have them in England. They weren't allowed to have them at post. And it was mostly male ambassadors. And it was very, you know, and so that was only reflective of the way society was then. Obviously, the world has moved on enormously, but the British Foreign Office has been trying very hard to make sure that they make it an as easy a place for anybody to work. See, you're the Consul General here and a young mother. There's a female ambassador for the first time in America, but also in Germany and in China and, you know, a lot of the key posts. What does that mean to you, both on a sort of personal level, but also for, you know, the the broader values that they're, they're trying to show now? You know, Dan, Dan you asked about... Um... You, you spoke about um, different uh, female ambassadors holding top uh, posts in, in in our network, which I think is is fantastic. You know, so it's wonderful that we've got a woman um, doing um, the role of British ambassador to the US, but also in countries like France and Germany and, and Russia. And there was actually an article in Vogue, I believe, quite recently on this. So it's it's wonderful to see different. Um, diplomatic roles being filled by women where they haven't uh, been filled by women before. Um, but it's also important that roles are open up to lots of different individuals who have got lots of different experiences and perspectives. Um, and I think, you know, that's a real priority for the British government and for the workplace. Um, and it's something that I think is, is really important. So for me as a leader here, I want to have as diverse a team as possible because we're better for it. It brings different perspectives. It brings different experiences. It gets us all to think differently and to, to benefit for um, in lots of different ways. So I think that's a, I'm glad that it's such a priority for the British government and I want I want to make sure we're doing that as much as possible here in, in Los Angeles as well. So let's let's talk about Los Angeles. So our listeners are sort of 50% UK, 50% America, and the Americans are mostly in and around Southern California. Um, so you turn up, normally you would be, invited to all sorts of fascinating events all over town and all over your entire patch. So obviously in other states as well. Obviously, as you said, you, although I know you did sort of virtual tours to San Diego and virtual tours, to, <laughs> it's not quite the same as going. But in terms of the exploring you were able to do, I suppose you, you probably explored on your own much more than you normally would have had to do because you would have been taken to lots of places for things. How did you find... LA the first few months particularly because obviously it was a bit locked down when you were here yeah I, I so we did make a virtue of of getting out and about um from a personal perspective certainly so particularly with my daughter you know exploring beaches exploring parks um obviously there was very little traffic uh, when I uh, arrived as well so I know that's one <laughs> key difference to um what LA, LA, LA may have looked like before um so that's been lovely and you know we've taken 
the opportunity to um, explore a, a couple of places outside of Los Angeles too. So that's been fantastic. And, you know, the the geography here is absolutely incredible. You know, it, it's beautiful. Um, so I, I feel very privileged to be based in Los Angeles and, and getting to drive to the beach um, half an hour away or, or seeing, you know, snow-capped mountains. Um, it's it's absolutely stunning. So that's been wonderful. Um, and I've also um, explored uh, places professionally. So, you know, seeing, for example, the Virgin Orbit flight into space from the desert, um, going to Hawaii for the 80th commemoration of Pearl Harbor, um, going to Vegas, for example, to represent the UK at Pride. Um, there have, despite the, the pandemic, been, been a, a range of opportunities to, to get out and about and to um, represent the UK and show what's important to us uh, and what we value. And that's been absolutely wonderful as well. So I do look forward to the fact that I've still got got a few more years to continue exploring and hopefully make up for a little, a, a little bit of the lost ground um, from arriving in the midst of a, a pandemic. But there, there still have been opportunities. Um, and that's what's so amazing about this part of the world and, and why it feels like such a gift to be here. So in terms of things that have surprised you, so when we moved, what I knew about LA was the glamorous side. It was all the sort of, you know, it was the Oscars and the celebrities and so on. And then we came out. I don't think somehow we even knew there was all the hiking that there was. So actually for us, the biggest thing is we turned up here and there were sort of mountains everywhere we could hike in, which was was a wonderful surprise. What, what's surprised you, given the perceptions you would have had of the place, but the job, what's been different to what you expected? So one of the things that I think is very visible when you come and that you really feel is the scale, um, which, you you know, you, you hear about it and you know that the US is, is, is so much bigger than the UK. But I think um, seeing what that means in practice is, is something that is definitely different to what I expected. You know, for example, in the UK, I don't use a car. Um, I can walk around to places. You soak up the city through walking. That's not really something you can do in LA in quite the same way. So I think that's that's one difference um, uh, in, in sort of living out here to, to how perhaps I anticipated. I thought it might be a bit easier to sort of walk around. And I think, you know, the scale, you really have to factor in the scale when you're planning your day, when you're going to, to different meetings uh, in a way that, that I didn't uh, in, back in London, which is my home city. So I think that's one, one difference. Um, obviously, we've not had much traffic comparatively, which has been fantastic, uh, I have to say. So, um, so I think so. I think that side of it, um, uh, the scale of things, and, and factoring that into your your day is one thing that um, has been a little different to what I expected before coming out here. Let's be optimistic for a second, and you know the Omicron numbers are going down massively. So let's let's hope that life is normal ish within the next few weeks. Probably only until October and November when winter comes, and who knows what that's going to look like. What do you want to achieve professionally and personally over the next few months, assuming you're allowed out of your house a bit more than you have been since you arrived? So that's a really big question. Uh, thank you for asking it. I think, you know, um, 
we, we have lots of exciting things coming up for this year. So I am excited for 2022. Um, a big part of, of what we do and what's important to me is, is helping grow the economic relationship between um, the UK and the states that we represent. So that's an area that we've already been working on that I've personally spent time on um, that I'll be looking to, to help support over the year. And we've got a number of, of interesting activities um, and plans uh, to help support that. The UK is actually the second largest investor in California. So the relationship is all, already strong, um, but we're thinking about how we can help grow things like that further. So watch this space. And, and you know, we, we've got a range of trade and investment missions coming up that we're, you know, we're planning to happen in person or that we can kind of pivot to, to do virtually where need be. Um, so some exciting things on sports coming up which I know an area you're, you're passionate about as well um, through to the creative industries and otherwise so a range of different things there the, the economic relationship is quite important to me and a lot of my previous roles actually are on trade and investments that's an area that, that I do enjoy and see value in and, and, and the impact that it can create um, climate change is is a huge area uh, for both the UK government but also for me one of my previous roles um, when I joined uh, the civil service was helping create the world's first green investment banks. That's, that's the time I became really interested in it. So it's wonderful to be working with, you know, climate leader like California on how we can, you know, UK, California and wider states um, do more on climate change and, and help live in a sustainable world. So, so that's another area that's important to me. And obviously you mentioned the creative industries as well. But ultimately, I think what, what's important to me because this, this role is a fabulous role. You know, I feel really privileged to be here working with great people, representing the UK in this amazing part of the world, helping, you, know, you talked about events in the garden and things, you know, acting with my colleagues as, as conveners. Um, uh, so it feels like a real privilege to be here um, at this time. So for me, it's about how can we really have impact for the UK-US relationship um, how can we also show what the UK stands for, um, our values, you know, the, the diversity of the UK, the creativity, the innovation and, and help enable those people to people links. So I think um, I really want to make the most of that opportunity and think about how we can really make a difference. Um, so, you know, at the end of last year, for example, to coincide with a, a ministerial visit, one of the transport ministers, um, we, uh, the UK government signed a partnership agreement with the city of Los Angeles on how we could work together to decarbonise transport, um, help, you know, innovations in the future of transport, reduce emissions and hopefully improve lives. Um, LA is, is an amazing climate leader. The UK has also got some brilliant expertise. You know, TfL is, is talked about um, really positively and in so many ways got brilliant innovation from companies. So now seeing the kind of work that's evolving from something like that and how we can really exchange expertise in a way that can improve lives being able to be part of things like that, initiate things like that, that's a real privilege in this role. So I'm, I'm constantly looking for areas like that where we can really help make a difference um, and partner with, with you know, the states in, in this part of the world. So, so that's important to me. And also from a, um, from a kind of consulate perspective, um, working to continue to build a fabulous place to work where everyone gets to do their best work and, and comes into the office or forth whether that's in person or virtually, um, and really enjoy, enjoying what they do, that, that's important to me. 
Um, but, but you asked me about kind of being the being a working mum because this is my first job uh, as a working mum. I think striking a balance as well is important to me. Um, um, making sure that I'm you know, doing good work as, as the British Consul General, but also that I'm balancing that with my responsibilities at home as well. I think the two are really important. And it goes back to the ethos of what you were saying about um, flexible working or, or or making sure everyone is is thriving in the workplace. I think that's a real priority for, for the government team. Fantastic answer. Now, British diplomats are far too professional to get excited about some of the <laughs> things that they get to do. But having your picture taken with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Premier League trophy, and obviously as a Spurs fan, you're not used to getting that close to Premier League trophies. Ooh, that, must no. been, that must have been a, a nice a nice moment for you. Oh, that was such a fabulous moment. I So the Premier League came to Los Angeles in the autumn uh, for the the mornings um, mornings live show, I think it was uh, at the Coliseum, and that was just wonderful. I mean, I love sports, and as you mentioned, I, I'm a Spurs fan. I, I like other sports too, both playing but also supporting. So, so sports is part of my my DNA, I suppose. So it was really exciting to see the Premier League come out, both personally and professionally, because I think professionally you know sports um is another incredible sector and you know the economic value that it has the trade investment potential that it has again like as a connector people get so excited about sports like everyone that I speak to got so excited about the Premier League talk about what what club they support and you know want to see the trophy so seeing that kind of excitement you know it's fabulous and, and ultimately for us to be tapping into that to help um, build relationships uh, across the states that we cover, help, you know, show what the UK stands for and its expertise. That was wonderful. So, um, so yeah, I, <laughs> that photo that you mentioned, that was fantastic. I'm just seeing the Premier League come over and I actually spoke at the Select LA conference that the Premier League attended and brought their trophy over. And that was an opportunity to talk about where the UK and LA can really collaborate on the power of sports because LA will host a range of mega sporting events this year. So not this year, this decade rather. So you've got the LA 2028 Olympic Games. We'll have FIFA 26 happening in the in, in the US. And it's Super Bowl this year. Um, and the UK is, you know, is, uh, with London having hosted the, the 2012 Olympics, I think it's got a lot of expertise that it could share. And we have a lot of shared values. So the importance of sustainable games, uh, for example, going back to climate change priorities is really important. So it, it's it's important for us to be working with, um, with the US on areas like this, because I think it has mutual benefits. So having the Premier League come, come over professionally is fantastic for us as well. Yeah, it's. I mean, the Premier League has always been a huge part of what I assume they still call soft power uh, in terms of promoting British values. And I think Ted Lasso, the show, has done one uh, for, for the same reason. It's so popular. Yeah. And I, on one of my other podcasts, we had the executive producer on of the show, and he was talking to us about the whole thing. And it's just the reception that he has and the amount he's learned about football and he's realised how powerful football is as a brand over here it's incredible so so talking of soft power this is going to bring us back to whiskey a little bit here so <laughs> sport is part of it film is part of it food and drink is another part of it and now i know because 
you haven't been able to do as much in-person stuff. You haven't done as many of the sort of whiskey tastings that you normally have done. But I know your team have done whiskey events where samples have been sent out by whiskey companies directly to people ahead of meetings. And see, I was I was at one where you sent out little gift baskets with clotted cream and scones and jams. It's a British tea. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Just talk a bit about sort of food and drink and how it's obviously how important it is, but how it's used by a government to tell its story and bring people together. So at the residence, we try and promote British brands as much as possible. So that might be serving British Scottish whiskey, for example. You know, we've got some fabulous gins. English sparkling wine, you know, non-alcoholic um, drinks as well. Um, so, so we always try and make sure that we're promoting British brands as much as possible through our events and activity. Um, and virtually, you know, me and my team have done um, meetings uh, around whiskey tastings or around British teas. Everyone loves a good British tea, so sending out scones and jam and clotted cream and so on. So, so we look to promote British food and drink in that way but then we also look to support the industry as much as possible in our trade and investment team for example at the consulate we have um, a couple of people working on food and drink so looking to support British uh, businesses who are looking to export to the US um, that's a key part of what we want uh, of what we do um, and also on the trade policy side um, our US network look at where there might be barriers to trade um, which can affect the uh, food and drink industry and see how we can um, help alleviate those as well so we, we do look to support and work with the industry in a number of ways and um, you know obviously it's got the added benefit of being incredibly tasty as well so <laughs> I think Dan as a, as a whiskey fan I'm sure you you sort of find that too yes uh, absolutely that was uh, I, I, I trained myself to drink whiskey when I got my first diplomatic posting, uh, because I had I was a deputy consul general and my consul general was Scottish, so I had to had to learn to drink whiskey, and then I've sort of taken it from there, and I rather I rather enjoy it now. But as you say, it's the whole thing: it's the gins, it's the seed lip, the non-alcoholic. Seed lip. I love, yeah, seed lip. Um, I, I discovered um, someone at a restaurant recommended uh, I try it when I was pregnant, and that was the first time I'd come across seed lip. And and over here, you know, it's really popular. Um, so there's some you know brilliant british brands so why wouldn't we try and work that into our events and activity as much oh, as possible absolutely and actually uniquely in your job seablick works rather well because if you do an event in utah where obviously there is some drinking but there is less it's very good to have a high-end british products that you can offer for an event so we did a wasn't well, a seed lip tasting but we did a basically a whiskey tasting with seed lip for people in utah and it works out rather well fantastic so, yeah. so um unfortunately we've reached the part of the podcast, which is the final question. Um, so I have to ask you, as I do every other guest, if you could drink any whiskey with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, what would it be, and where would it be? So um, as I've been recommended the Balveni, I'll go with that one, uh, the, the glass that's in my hand. But in terms of who I drink it with, so... I would drink it with my parents at a younger age, say my age, 
which I think would be fascinating. So obviously the relationship with your parents is, is very different to how it might be if your friend just meeting up for, for a drink around the summer age. So I think in, in, a, in, a, in a world of being able to, to move time um, uh, that you're sort of presenting me with, that would be my, my, my wish, I think, of who I'd have a whiskey with. That's a, fa- I've never, that's a great answer. Not had that before. That's fantastic. <laughs> and where would that be? Where would it be? Um, I'd say here. Love my, yeah. Here, I'd probably go find a beach, do it over a sunset, and um, make a virtue of and enjoying beautiful LA. Fantastic. What a great answer. So, Emily Cloak, Her Majesty's Consul General for Southern California, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, and Hawaii. Thank you very much for being part of our podcast. Thank you for having me, Dan. Mm, I love scotch. 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 And don't forget to not just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at US of Dramerica, but also ask us questions and comment and say nice things. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if the mood takes you, you can leave us a review as uh, feedback is always welcome. And drink whiskey. Slonchevar. <laughs>